Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. There is a lot going on right now. We're going to start off with game recaps, and then we got hot topics in the second half of the episode today. Starting with Bucks Heat, this was a tale of two halves. The Heat owned the first half, and they went up as by much as 23. But the Bucks found their form, came back and won by 14, 130 to 116. I believe there was like a 20-0 run somewhere in there late in the fourth quarter. Giannis, 33 points, 12 rebounds. Chris Middleton, 33 points. The Heat had seven guys in double figures, but they just couldn't buy a bucket until it was too late. Good win for Milwaukee, who clinched the best record in the league. Rockets-Lakers, the Rockets without Russell Westbrook due to quad soreness. The Lakers without LeBron James. He supposedly has a sore groin, but that's pretty much just an excuse to use load management on him because they've already clinched the number one seed in the West and they don't need him exerting all of his energy in these last three games, but whatever. And that that Lakers offense... It just looked terrible, very stagnant. It was it was it was really bad without LeBron. There was no flow, no one who can make plays. He is crucial to their offense, as we know. But I'm getting more and more concerned with LA. If this is the the 1-4 or 5 matchup in the second round, I'm calling it right now. The Rockets will beat the Lakers in the second round if the Rockets get the 4 or the 5 seed. And that's if they get past what looks to be the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. We'll get to that a little bit later. But the Pelicans beat the Wizards without Zion, 118-107. Now it's the Wizards, so it's not that big of a deal. But they rested him on the second end of a back-to-back. After a four-month layoff. After two months of game action beforehand. I don't know what it is. But I'm going to say that something is wrong with Zion Williamson that the Pelicans are keeping from us because they don't want to freak the public out. You don't hype him up on social media like he's going to tear everyone up to shreds and flat out dominate and then rest him. The one thing that really concerns me is they were resting him on back-to-back. They were not resting him on back-to-backs during the second half of his 19 games when he returned. The first few series they did, and understandably so, but he was not on a minutes restriction or doing back to or, or resting on back to backs in the second half portion of his return. And now all of a sudden, when every game counts and you're fighting for a playoff spot, you're resting him and limiting his minutes. It just does not make sense. Something is wrong with Zion Williamson, or the Pelicans are just flat out stupid, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Celtics Raptors, this game went exactly like no one predicted. The Celtics completely dominated the entire game, 122 to 100, the final score. The Raptors shot 42% from the field and 26% from three. Nobody scored more than 14, or excuse me, 13 points, and that was Fred Van Vliet. Seven Celtics scored in double figures. The East is so unpredictable. I don't know what to think of it at this point. I mean, one game the Celtics lose to the Jimmy Butlerless Heat. Then they blow a 24-point lead or something and almost lose to Portland. And now they're blowing out Toronto, who was undefeated coming into this game, and looking really good. Then you look at the Sixers, losing Ben Simmons for what's going to be probably the rest of the season. He's undergoing arthroscopic knee surgery. The Bucks, I mean, Giannis can't get his team to beat up on the smallest team in the league. Then they lose to the Nets. But they beat the Celtics, looked really good against the Heat, 
for the second half only. They were down by 23. The Heat beat Boston without Jimmy Butler. Then they lose to Milwaukee. Then they lost to the Raptors, which... Or, I mean, they had Jimmy Butler. They lost to the Raptors when they had Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was healthy, and they lost to the Raptors. And before that, they beat the Nuggets by 20. I honestly can't tell you who's coming out of the East right now. I don't know what's going on in the Eastern Conference. It is so confusing, and it's they're, they're all so inconsistent and up and down. The West, it's the Clippers. There's no doubt in my mind. The Lakers are looking shaky, and Houston and Portland are looking like potential underdogs for a deep playoff run. Like, I know what each team in the Western Conference is capable of doing and probably will do. The East, I have no idea. But that's a good thing. That's what makes this season so much fun. It's so unpredictable. Clippers Blazers. The Clippers resting Kawhi Leonard took on the Red Hot Blazers, and L.A. pulled out the victory 122-117. to But listen to this. Their closing lineup for the last five minutes of the fourth quarter was Landry Shamit, Terrence Mann, Rodney McGruder, Patrick Patterson, and J. Michael Green. Yes, a healthy Paul George, Lou Williams, Marcus Morris, Ivica Zubats, and Reggie Jackson all sat. They played relatively normal minutes, a little bit less than normal, however. But LA was using their third stringers, like their 10th, 11th, and 12th men. Amir Coffey and Joakim Noah were the only two who were healthy and didn't play. But yes, they got the job done against a fully healthy Portland Trailblazers squad. Rodney Magruder hit a go-ahead three with 26 seconds left. He's only 27% from deep on the season. Damian Lillard missed both free throws. Both free throws on the other end. Shamit knocked down two free throws to seal the deal. I knew the Clippers were deep, but I didn't know they were that deep. I mean, when Terrence Mann, Patrick Patterson, and Rodney Magruder can get the job done late in games, you're not going to beat this team fully healthy. You're just not, especially in a seven-game series. They are the best and deepest team in the league, and they proved it once again on Saturday. Nuggets Jazz, Jamal Murray returning from injury. This was the best game of the bubble so far. 19 seconds left in the game. Nuggets go up by six after a pair of free throws from Jeremy Grant. Donovan Mitchell fouled, makes two free throws on the other end. Then Jokic turns it over. It's Utah ball. Mitchell hits the three with seven seconds left. Jeremy Grant back to the line, misses one of two free throws, leaves the door open for Utah. Two-point game. Then Mitchell putting the team on his back, drives down the left side of the lane and lays it in with less than a second left. And we go to overtime. Leighton OT, game tied 117-117. Donovan again delivers, this time with a mid-range pull-up. 3.4 seconds to go. Then Jokic receives the inbound pass, drives by, I think it was Royce O'Neal, makes the layup, but the clock never started, and the officials didn't catch it until after the play. They determined Jokic took 3.1 seconds from the time he touched the ball to the time it cleared the net. Tie game once again, we go to double overtime, first double overtime game in the bubble. Then late in double overtime, Jeremy Grant dunks it, he had 21 points, 16, or excuse me, six point lead with 22 seconds left for Denver. Jazz come down the floor. Conley hits a three. It's a three-point game. 12 seconds left. Grant, two more free throws on the other end. Jazz call timeout. Down by five and advance the ball. Donovan Mitchell again with a three to keep Utah in it. He had 35 in this game. So now the Jazz are down two with just five seconds left. They foul Jamal Murray, who misses both free throws. But the Jazz are scrambling to get a shot off because they have no timeouts. Donovan airballs a half-court attempt. Nuggets get the thrilling 134-132 victory over the Jazz. You should go watch the game highlights if you haven't seen them already. Jamal Murray coming off injury was only supposed to play 22 minutes, he said. He ended up playing 39. Almost double what he was supposed to play. 
He looked like he was running on fumes at the end, but he continually kept Denver in it with clutch shots of his own. He finished with 23 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists. Not bad for your first game back. Nikola Jokic, 30 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists in the win as well. Other scores from around the league on Thursday. The Suns beat the Pacers 114-95. to Moved to 4-0 in that win. TJ Warren finally came back to earth. However, it would only be temporary. Uh, he had 16 points and 11 rebounds. Both Phoenix Stars had double-doubles. Booker, 20 points, 10 assists, 8 and 23 points, 10 rebounds. Clippers beat the Mavericks 126-111. to 111. The Mavericks were in the game for most of it, but they just couldn't finish. That's the only concern I have for Dallas, is that they just can't finish a game out. They are, they're in games for most of the time because their offense is so elite and efficient, but for some reason, they just always fall apart at the end of games. And I can't really tell you what it is. The Blazers beat the Nuggets 125 to 115. Michael Porter Jr., another great night, 27 and 12. However, it was not enough to overcome Damian Lillard's 45 points, 12 assists, and 11 three pointers. On Friday, the Spurs beat the Jazz 119 to 111. The Jazz resting Rudy Gobert, while Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, and Nigel Williams Goss all sat out with minor injuries. So they were very shorthanded, and that's on top of having. Uh, of not having Boyan Bogdanovich. He's out for the season with a wrist injury. Spurs still without Bryn Forbes. His quad is bothering him, but Derek White seems to be doing pretty well in his place. Their backcourt is so deep. The Spurs backcourt is so deep, it's not really hurting them that much because they have Murray, White, Mills, Walker, all those guys. It is a slight downgrade in outside shooting, though, because Forbes is a great shooter from outside. Uh, 38.8% from downtown on the season. The Grizzlies finally won. They got their first win in the bubble, one twenty-two to nine, or excuse me, one twenty-one to ninety-two over the Thunder. So a, that's a good win. The Nets beat the Kings, one nineteen to one hundred six. The Sixers beat the Magic, one hundred eight, one hundred one. On Saturday, the Pacers beat the Lakers, one sixteen to one eleven. The Lakers' offense got a good bit over one hundred points this time. LeBron James carried with thirty-one points. However, eighty didn't show up hardly at all. Eight points. But how about Quinn Cook? 21 points in 23 minutes off the bench. He's a shooter and a floor general. He can't run the offense. He's not a, he, I mean, I mean, playmaking and ball. I don't know. He's not a good, he's not as good of a playmaker as Rajon Rondo is offensively. And he can't defel, defend as well as Bradley or Rondo either, but he can shoot the ball better than both of them. And he can handle the ball. Well, he's a quality backup for them. I think he can provide some much needed offense. The Suns beat the heat 119 to 112. They are now undefeated still in the bubble 119 to 112 5 and 0 like what the heck is going on with them then the Mavericks topped the Bucks in overtime 136 to 132 Luka Doncic had a monster game 36 points 14 rebounds and 19 assists yesterday on Sunday the Thunder beat the Wizards 121 to 103 the Raptors defeated the Grizzlies 108 to 99 the Grizzlies could have gotten a guaranteed spot in the play-in tournament if they won that game but they did not the Spurs beat the Pelicans 122 to 113, knocking the Pelicans out of play in tournament contention. JJ Redick, 31 points, 8 of 12 from 3. Zion had 25 points in 20, 27 minutes. That's the most he's played in a single game in the bubble, but I still don't think that's enough minutes if you really wanted to get to the playoffs. I mean, you'd have to play him at least 30 to 35. But I guess this means New Orleans is looking long term because they certainly didn't care if they got to the playoffs this year, at least. Didn't look like it, and they didn't didn't manage Zion like they did. Celtics beat the Magic in overtime, one twenty two to one nineteen. Gordon Hayward had thirty one points. The Sixers fell to Portland, one twenty four to one twenty one. Damian Lillard dropped fifty one points after being clowned last 
the last game against the Clippers for missing two clutch free throws. Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris were on the bench yelling Dame time and all that, making fun of him. And then on Instagram, Patrick Beverly t- uh, posted Cancun on three, telling the Trailblazers that basically they're going to be out of the bubble soon. But that's not going to be the case. Anyway, we I don't know if you heard about this, but Lillard clapped back. Because Paul George was talking to him too, I guess. And Lillard said, I knocked both of you out of the playoffs on buzzer beaters. Because, yes, Lillard beat the Rockets on a buzzer beater in 2014, I believe. And then he had the buzzer beater that sent the Thunder into rebuild slash reboot mode last year. Anyway, the Rockets defeated the Kings one nine, or excuse me, one twenty nine to one hundred twelve. Austin Rivers had a career high forty one points. Houston again without Russell Westbrook. They're being very cautious with his injury as the playoffs are just around the corner. I'm not concerned about it at all. The Rockets are now four and one in the bubble. The Nets beat the Clippers. Yeah, the Nets have beat the Clippers and the Bucks in the bubble. What the nut? Cl- uh, the Clippers playing without Paul George. They were resting him, and that shows how important he is to the team when he's healthy because Kawhi did all he could, 39 points, and Lou Williams helped out with 18, but no one else stepped up offensively. Meanwhile, for the Nets, they had five guys in double figures, three over 20 points. Karis LeVert led the way with 27 points and 13 assists. Okay, this is the most interesting thing that's happening right now, so I want to give you an update on on the standings. In the East, largely unchanged. In fact, it's exactly the same as when we started. The Bucks are one. The Raptors are two. The Celtics are three. Those three are locked in their spots. No movement happening there. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Miami is fourth. Indiana at five. They are even at 43 and 27. But Miami holds the tiebreaker. Then just a game behind them is Philly at six. Then the Nets at seven. The Magic at eight. Those two are locked in their spots. So the only movement can possibly be four, five, six right now. The Wizards are out of playoff contention and, in fact, have fallen behind the Hornets in standings in terms of winning percentage. (laughs) The Hornets were not invited to the bubble, but you can't really blame Washington because they're without Bradley Beal, John Wall, and Davis Bertans. So they were going to have a tough time from the beginning. I made the prediction that they would get to the play-in tournament before Bradley Beal made his decision to opt out, okay? Otherwise... I mean, I knew about Wall and Bertans, but otherwise, I would not have thought they had a chance at doing anything. In the West, a lot of movement from game to game. The Lakers are one. The They've clinched that. The Clippers are two, and the Nuggets are three. But the Nuggets are only a game behind the Clippers now for number two spot. That's certainly something to keep an eye on. If the Nuggets lose to the Lakers tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time on TNT, they play the Clippers on Wednesday. That one's at 9 on ESPN. So if the Nuggets win out and beat the Clippers, L.A. could fall to the three seed, and we could see Denver rise to number two. The only difference, however, would just be their first-round matchups because they'll face each other in the second round. I don't think they're either of them are going to lose in the first round. But yes, keep an eye on that situation. The Rockets have four. Now, if Denver loses the rest of its games and the Rockets win out, the Rockets could slide up to three. They can't get to two. They can't get higher than three. And they, the Rockets really don't know who they're going to play right now. It's either going to be OKC or Utah. But they, they could go to three. 
Number f- at five, the Thunder. Utah is at six. Dallas, seven. Memphis, eight. Just a half game ahead of Portland for the eight spot. We might see Portland grab the eight seed outright and only have to win one game in the play-in tournament. So Portland's at nine. But how about this? The Spurs, just one game behind eighth at, uh, at 10th. They are 10th right now. So if they beat the Rockets and Memphis loses to Boston on Tuesday, all of a sudden now they're in the eighth spot or maybe potentially behind Portland by like a half game. The Suns are a game and a half back of the eighth seed at 11, one game back of ninth. As great as their run has been, I don't see them getting it. Pelicans and the Kings are officially out of the race. They have been eliminated from playoff and playing contention. So, yes, a lot to look at in the Western Conference as we start the last week of seeding games. Playoffs begin August 17th. A lot of things are going to happen. It's going to be exciting. We will be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about the Sixers. Devin Booker, does he need to leave Phoenix? And... We might be talking about the Portland Trailblazers as well. Stay with us. Welcome back to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. To start off our hot topic segment, we are going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Now without Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Simmons likely out for the season. As I said earlier, he will undergo arthroscopic surgery on his knee. Embiid sprained his ankle in the first quarter after playing just six minutes last night against the Blazers. They hope this injury is short-term, but my goodness, this team is falling apart in more ways than one. We already talked about their defense a couple days ago, and now with these injuries, I don't see them getting out of the first round. I mean, this is a team that I had in the finals a week ago. Their likely matchup is Boston right now, assuming they don't win too many more games with their depleted roster. They did beat the Celtics twice in the regular season, but without... But Simmons and Embiid, it's it's going to be tough. Tobias Harris isn't a $180 million player, let me just say that. Al Horford is too old and past his prime to be worth $100 million. He was worth that during his time in Atlanta and partly Boston as well. But those guys carrying the load, I just don't see them getting the job done. And especially their depth was already a concern. It's a concern even more so now. They are probably going to have to start. Their starting lineup is probably going to be Shake Milton, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Mike Scott, now Horford. I'm trying to think who the backup big would be. Other than him, Kyle O'Quinn's another guy. I don't think he's going to start, though. They got a lot to figure out, though. Obviously, due to these circumstances, my prediction in the East has changed. It's either going to be Milwaukee or Toronto now, probably. I like the Celtics a little bit, but they've been too inconsistent. We will see the Milwaukee-Toronto matchup, a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. That game will tell a lot. But Philly, their chances have unfortunately gone out the window. If Embiid plays in the first round, I think they could sneak by, but it's hard to tell because they almost beat Portland without him. It took a superhuman 51-point performance by Damian Lillard to get the Trailblazers the win. But things are going very, very, very south in Philadelphia right now. 
Speaking of the Blazers, they are playing really well right now. They're four and two in the bubble. Their only losses they gave up a twenty-three to twenty-four point lead to Boston. No, they came back, almost came back. Excuse me, from down twenty-three to twenty-four against Boston, and then the Clippers game. They are a team that the LA Lakers do not want to see in the first round because they have a legitimate shot at beating them. I'm serious. You look at their backcourt. Not a lot of people can guard them to begin with, but the Lakers are already down their best perimeter defender, Avery Bradley. Rondo's not going to be back by then. He's close to returning. He's actually arrived in the bubble, but he's still got a couple weeks. So that's going to be the main problem, defending Lillard and McCollum, a very high-scoring backcourt, not as high-scoring as Harden and Westbrook, but they, the Lakers have nobody who can. Now, the Lakers can match up defensively to Portland's size. Nurkic, Whiteside, and Collins could be matched up with AD, Dwight, and JaVale McGee. But Melo's another scoring option. Gary Trent Jr., how about his numbers? I knew he was a shooter coming out of Duke. I knew that's what his calling card was going to be in the league. And now that he's finally finally got his opportunity, he's showing out. He's averaging 20 points a game on 62% shooting from the outside. His shooting is a problem coming off the bench. This team is loaded with weapons offensively. Their defense is just kind of average. And with how the Lakers' offense has looked, I mean, they could be letting off the gas a little bit since they clinched, but they're playing their worst basketball of the season, if I'm being honest. And I don't like that matchup for them in the first round. And if I'm being totally honest, if they get by the Lakers in the first round, they could beat what would likely be the Houston Rockets in the second round and get back to the Western Conference Finals. Let's remember, they made it there last year. Had 17-point leads at least in like all four games before the Warriors came back and swept them. Anyway, this team is not an eight seed. They are a three or four seed when healthy. These guys, I think, could surprise a lot of people and potentially get to the Western Conference Finals. I'm being serious. They would be the first eight seed to go that far since the Knicks reached the NBA Finals as an eight seed in 1999. Bucks Raptors is happening tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. This game is going to tell a lot. These are two of the t- these are the two top teams in the East standings-wise, although I think the Celtics have more talent than Toronto, but they are, have been less consistent. This, to me, is a probable Eastern Conference Finals matchup. I think the Celtics are going to make their second-round series with Toronto competitive, but if Kemba Walker is not fully healthy, I don't see them getting there. That it's just the fact that they've been so inconsistent, which I mentioned multiple times before. And then they have they had to have overtime to beat the Orlando Magic. Kemba Walker had four points on one of nine shooting. It was a it was it was a, it was not a good game. Right now, the Raptors are playing like the better team, better than Milwaukee, better than Boston. They're playing better, but I believe that when healthy. When Eric Bledsoe is back and fully healthy and back in the swing of things, the Bucks are the best team in the East and will come out of the East now that Philly has become depleted. Please watch this game tonight. It's going to be really good. We'll analyze it all. We'll analyze all of it in the next episode, which may come as soon as tomorrow. Not sure yet, but it's a possibility. And if you don't want to watch the Bucks Raptors game for some dumb reason, watch the Pacers Heat game. It's Jimmy versus TJ Warren part two. And this time, TJ Warren is back and better than ever. Draymond Green made some comments as an analyst on Inside the NBA on Thursday. He said that Devin Booker needs to get out of Phoenix. He said, quote, get my man out of Phoenix. And he was fined $50,000 for tampering. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my word. But honestly, I agree with Draymond. Yes, the Suns are playing really well right now. This, they're playing out of their minds, in fact. DeAndre Ayton's defense has come along. And I love the fact that they brought in Monty Williams. He is a great coach and a great man, too. But they are they are they in position to win anytime soon? Like, consistently? I don't think so. Booker is under contract until, I think, 2024. And by the time that contract is up, he'll be 28 in his prime. That's a prime age for NBA players. So I think you could potentially keep building in Phoenix and see what happens over the next four to five years and then get out of there when you're a free agent you will he he will be a top tier free agent that summer and i think he needs to look elsewhere if he wants to win a championship he's not going to win a championship in phoenix he may have some success and get to the playoffs a few years but that team's not going to do anything booker and Aiden are the only two potential star quality players and i say potential because booker we know he he's already a star he should have been an all-star this year Aiden, i don't see him living up to the standard of a number one pick. He's going to be okay, but I don't see him becoming a star in this league. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best big man in that draft class and will be for his career. And Luka Doncic and Trey Young were also in that draft class, so Aiton is like the fourth best player to come out of there. Kelly Oubre was playing at a high level this year before the season was suspended, but he is out for the season with a torn meniscus. I think he's a one-hit wonder, however. I don't think he's going to keep his performance up. 18 points per game, really out of nowhere this year. But they just don't have enough around Booker to do anything. And no one is going to come to Phoenix. Like, it's not an attractive free agent destination for more than a few reasons. So they're going to have to keep building through the draft. (laughs) And we've seen how they've done. They've been so bad for the past decade. They had one 48-win season with Dragic and Green and all those guys in 2014. Gerald Green, that is, not Draymond. But they still couldn't make the playoffs because the West was so dang good that year. They, oh my gosh, they have had all these high draft picks and really in the past decade and got it right once with Devin Booker. Aiden was a solid pick as well, but again, he's not the best player or even big man in the draft class. Let's look at some of their top picks recently. They've had 15 first round picks this past decade. 2011, Markeith Morris, 13th overall, who they shipped out quickly. And he made a career for himself elsewhere. 2012, 13th pick, Kendall Marshall, who never averaged more than eight points per game for Phoenix. His NBA career lasted just four short seasons. 2013, fifth overall pick, Alex Len, never turned into anything special. He left it after five years in Phoenix, averaging eight points and seven rebounds per game. And Alex himself said that he thinks the Suns ruined the first few years of his career. Then, the 30th pick, Nemanja Nedovic, who they dealt to Golden State on draft night. 2014, 14th pick, TJ Warren. We all know what happens with that. They trade him for cash considerations this past draft, and now Warren is the best player in the bubble. 18th pick, Tyler Ennis, ended up playing only one season with Phoenix and averaged 2.8 points per game. 27th pick, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who actually never played a game for them and has turned out to be a pretty solid piece in Sacramento. 2015, they got Devin Booker with a 13th pick. 2016 was one of their worst. Third, or excuse me, three first-round picks. Number four overall, Dragon Bender. Yeah, remember him? <laughs> I don't either. Number 13, Georgios Papayanis. Yes, his last name is literally Papa and then Giannis, like how you spell Giannis Antetokounmpo's name. Number 28, Scalabissier. Both, they both 
They traded both Papianis and Labissier to Sacramento that draft night. 2017, number four overall pick, Josh Jackson. He actually showed some promise in college, but it never materialized to anything in the NBA. He is with Memphis now after a stint in the G League. 2018, DeAndre Ayton, number one overall in the draft with Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Then Zaire Smith, 16th overall, who they traded to Philly on draft night for McCall Bridges from Villanova. Okay, I will say this. He looks okay. He's not great, but he's a pretty good player and a very good defender, too. And then they drafted Cam Johnson from North Carolina last year. That was this past year. That was a reach at number 13. I mean, yes, he is a great shooter, but he is not a lottery pick. So, yes, the Suns' track record in the draft in the past decade is not very good. In fact, it's awful. I don't expect them to continue to have any luck trying to build through the draft, and nobody's going to come to Phoenix via free agency anyway. So get Devin Booker out of there so he can win a championship somewhere else. Because he's a guy who can be a number one option on the on the championship team. On a championship team, he really just needs the right team, the right system, and the right organization around him in order to do it. All right, to wrap up today, this day in NBA history, in 2012, Dwight Howard was traded from the Orlando Magic to the Los Angeles Lakers. And guess what? He's back on the Lakers now this year. And he's probably, even though it's a lot more, lot less minutes, he's probably making more of an impact now than he did then. Happy birthday to Andre Drummond and Ja Moran. Ja Moran turns 21 today. How about that? We will be back maybe tomorrow, maybe not, with another podcast.